listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. church for the first time or maybe you're back for the first time. You came a good Sunday because we're starting a new series today called XO. Come on, XO means what? Kiss and hugs. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say kiss and hugs. And we're going to be talking about love. And and I'm so excited. Here's how we're going to break it down. On the Sunday mornings, we're going to be talking about loving God's way. We're going to be learning how to build God-lasting relationships We're going to learn that the myths that the world has put out there are stopping us from living the dream. And we're going to step into the dream life that God has. And then on a Wednesday, we're actually going to look at love in the home. We're going to be discussing parenting and kids and how as parents and children, how we need to respond in the home to each other. So it's going to be really, really, really a great series that you need to be a part of. And in trying to teach a subject like this, I'm always mindful of the split. And I don't like to say it that way. But there's a split when you talk about this because there's those who are married and then those who are Single, not married. Come on, you can help me out. It's okay, we're not in the library, we're in church. Let's try that again. There's a split because there's those who are married and there's those who are single, not married. And then there's other groups. There's people who have been married and divorced and said, man, no more, I'm done. Or maybe other people say married, divorced, ready to go again. And then there's even another group that says, I'm too young to date yet. So we're mindful of all the different places and placements that people can be. And that's why our goal, anytime we try to teach subjects like this, is to teach principles that work at every area of your life. So don't just say, well, I'm just going to come back to church in March because I'm not married. I'm hurting when it comes to love and relationships. I'm done. I don't think anything can be told me. No, we've got something for you too. We're going to have a love buffet this month. Is that okay? It's going to be something on there for everyone. So don't discredit, excuse, or push aside and say this is irrelevant to my placement. Because we're going to present to you truths that one day you're going to be in a different state. You're going to be in a different position. Come on, we're not talking about Mississippi when we talk about a different state. We're talking about you may be single now, you're going to be in a married state. You're not able to date right now, but you're going to one day be dating. Your state is going to change. So we're going to give you truths that are going to help you. So guess what? Take notes because you're going to be tested on this. Amen. You will be tested on this and we want you to be a part of this and get involved in this. And for another reason, you're not only going to learn for yourself, but I guarantee you've got a lot of people that you work with, that you're around in your neighborhood that need some help when it comes to love and relationships. And you'll be able to say, you know what Pastor Philip said on Sunday is so true and what you need to hear, even if it's not for you right now. 
It may be a word in season for someone else around you. Because remember, Christianity is not all about you. It's about you being saved so you can touch and reach other people too. Amen. So we're so excited about that. So listen to this and and just follow along and, and have your heart open. Because when it comes to life, period, if you're going to survive through unexpected circumstances and disappointments, you are going to have to be willing to change, to adjust, to work with what you have and commit to doing things that perhaps normally you wouldn't choose to do. What have I just explained? Life. Life is full of changes. Life is full of adjustments and things that sometimes I don't want to do those things, but I know that's what I need to do. That is life. And even despite our best efforts and intentions, life doesn't always turn out the way we hoped and planned for. Hey, sometimes it can be better. Thank God for that. It's not always a negative thing. Sometimes we can get more than we expected. Woohoo! Love that. But a lot of times we can get less than what we expected. And that gap between what we receive and what we expect can be frustration. And we can find ourselves very frustrated. And this is especially true when it comes to relationships between men and women. Why? Because we are different. We are different. And that's not a negative thing or a negative difference because that's how God created us. God created us different. Come on, say with me, not wrong, just different. Come on, say that again with me. We're not wrong, just different. Look what Matthew 19 verse 4 says. Matthew 4, Jesus addressing those that would come to him in reference to marriage and relationships. They're pushing Jesus to say that it's okay to be divorced and separated. But Jesus tells them plainly in this passage, you know what? There's a hardness of heart. There's a, there's a result of man's doing that takes place. But from the beginning, that's not how I made marriage. And this is how God says he made. This is the pieces that he chose to use to build a vibrant marriage and relationship. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he capitalized God, who made them from the beginning, made them male and female? How did he make them? Different. He made us male and female. We can sometimes question if God knew what he was doing that day. Have you ever questioned that, God? You were having kind of an off day right then. I know some of you ladies question that when it comes to us men. Oh, God, what were you doing on that day? Come on now. Come on, get involved in this. It's okay. And we can question and we can say, what's the mistake, God? But there's no mistake. Listen, it's by divine purpose God made us different. And divine purpose can plainly be said this, that God has a plan for it. And everything that God plans is always good because everything that's good is always God. God had a specific plan. So he made differences on purpose. Why? Because we can complement each other. We can add a greater dimension to what we only had on our own. I know I'm a lot more complete person because of what Kelly brings to my life. 
Because I can see things maybe black and white. She can see things in color. So guess what? It brings tie-dye to my world. Amen? Because sometimes our worlds can be boring when we just see our own way. But we can complement. We can see. We can understand through the differences that God made that we can find something great. God knew what he was doing. From the beginning, he knew what he was doing. It's just taken us a whole long time to try and figure it out and accept it. Because what do we do even today? We're trying to change man. We're trying to change woman. Come on, this world is trying to feminize men. Come on, let's just be honest. Trying to tell us that we can't be. And the world is trying to, hey, make women different to what they. The world is trying to do everything it can instead of accepting the differences that God made and seeing it as a great benefit and a reward. We're trying to figure it out and fix it and repair something that ain't broken. But we're breaking it and we're messing it up more and more, causing more confusion, disunity, divide and division than there has ever been before. So what can we conclude? Our way's not going to work because His way is the only way. And so that's what we're going to present to you this month. And I think it's so important that we understand this. And listen, some of the things I'm going to say to you, I know we've said this before, but hang tight. Because these are such important things. Dr. Edgerus explains this in his love and respect study because he says it this way, pink and blue. Pink and blue. Let me explain that quickly. A wife looks at this world or a woman looks at this world through pink sunglasses. She listens through a pink hearing aid and she speaks through a pink megaphone. Great. Then, a husband or a man sees things through blue sunglasses. He hears things through a blue hearing aid and he speaks through a blue megaphone. Which is great, pink and blue, until they try to look at things, hear things and say things to each other. Now, all of a sudden, pink cannot handle blue, and blue cannot handle pink because we are different. We're different. For example, if the lady says, I've got nothing to wear, really what she's saying is, I've got nothing new to wear. If a guy says the same thing, I've got nothing to wear, what he's really saying is, I've got nothing clean to wear. It's the same thing, but yet... Pink and blue. Not wrong, just different. So what do we do? We can look at the difference and say, I guess I'll never understand you. Well, God never made that. God meant it to be an intrigue. Something for us to look forward to finding out more about each other. So what do we need to do? We need to learn to decode what is really being said. Because what we may hear. Maybe it's not what's really being said. Oh, pastor, this is so complicated. No, it's not. It just takes time to sit down and to listen to what's been really said. You know, one of the greatest things on relationship we can find is in God's Word. I believe it's 1 Corinthians 7. And it says this, a man's body is not his own, it's his wife's. A wife's body is not her own, it's the husband's. 
In other words, if we would think about everything I would do taking care and guarding Kelly as my wife, and she would think the same to take care of me. You know, most of our problems would be gone. The problems come when we try to take care of ourselves and we want our own things instead of wanting for each other. But we can decode if we would just take time. And we can understand each other's language because predominantly a lady's language and love language is love. A man's love language is respect. You love a woman, you open up her heart, you respect a man. And he will respond in the right way. Because when you treat each other like that, you will unlock each other's deepest need. You will open up each other's heart. I also love this, laughing your way to a better marriage. And Dr. Mark says these words. He says, love can be deceitful. It starts out so easily. In fact, it's the case of the relationship that convinces us that this other person is the one. We are so comfortable with them. They are incredibly easy to talk to. We can just be ourselves around them with seemingly no effort at all. We experience a sense of joy at just being around them. It's so easy, we reason. This person must be the one. Yes, your romance-starved heart answers. This is true love. It's always easy. So what do we do? We take the plunge. We make the big commitment. We promise till death do us part. And we know it's right because it's easy. Because isn't easy a sign from God that things are right? Right? But then after the I do's have been exchanged, life kicks in. And guess what? It ain't easy. Men and women begin their journey believing that fate has caused them to meet each other. And then they date and they end up at the altar. They think that since they have spent so much quality time with each other, they truly know each other. They know what to expect and therefore they feel the relationship is safe. They have discovered the perfect one. However, due to the intoxicating nature of the dating process, people don't know each other nearly as well as they think they do. And when life hits and the shock and awe set in, shock because the differences that attracted them to each other now repel them, and the awe because they are now frustrated and angry and feel that their whole marriage is simply awful. How true is that in so many cases? We just follow, oh, this is the greatest. Uh, And yet we discover that perhaps we didn't really know everything like we should. And we find ourselves disillusioned, upset, disappointed, frustrated, wanting out. This isn't what I signed up with. Listen to the scripture, Proverbs 13, verse 12. New Living Translation says these words, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Listen to it from the Message Bible. It says this way, unrelenting disappointment leaves you, how? Heart sick, but a sudden good break 
can turn your life around. What is the Word of God telling us here? When things don't go the way we hoped they would, it's easy to get heart sick. It's easy to become broken hearted, disillusioned, disappointed. It's so easy to lose that oomph in your life, that drive, that excitement, that passion. It's so easy when things don't go as planned. And so what do we want to do? We want to quit and get away from what disappoints us. But what we'll discover is many times that's a major mistake. There are so many people who have been hurt in love. They've been disappointed by other people. So what they avowed in their disappointment, in their hurt, is this, I will never let someone hurt me again. So they build walls of protection. Walls that will stop the hurt from getting in. But what we fail to realize is those walls will also stop love and affirmation from coming in too. And so we've got to guard our hearts, yes, but we've got to allow God to be the one that guards them, not building our own man-made structures because we will keep out, yes, the hurt, but we will also keep out the love and the good from coming. So what I want to give you today is key truths on loving God's way. Begin in the right relationship with the right person so we don't have to roll the relational dice hoping that we hit the marriage jackpot. But instead we can build a marriage. We can prepare for a marriage that will go the distance, a marriage that will be blessed by God, which is actually possible and worth any work and risk in order to achieve it. As I said before, these are truths that we've presented to you before, many of them. And here's the reason why. I don't apologize for that because I didn't write the truth. The truth is still the truth. And again, the problem is when we try to change the truth and come up with something new. We don't have to come up with something new because the old way is still the best way. That God's way is still the right way for your life. So what I want to do today quickly is I want to take three myths that we have been taught to believe in this world. And I want to dispel those myths. I want to break the myths so we can live in the dream because that's where God wants us to be, living the dream, living the life that He has for every one of us. So here's the first myth I want to address today. Are you ready? The first myth is this. This person must be the one. This person must be the one. That finding that one in my life is all I will ever need to be complete. And that's true when you find the right one. The problem is we find the wrong one too often in our lives because we're looking in the wrong direction for the one who needs to be the most important person in our lives. You see, first things first, order matters, especially when it has to do with God. And you've got to realize that in your life. Doing the right things in proper order is essential for your spiritual success and therefore every other kind of success. And how do we know this? Because Jesus said so. A religious leader once came and asked Jesus a question. We can see this in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 39. Listen to what it says. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the 
first and great commandment. And the second is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, the myth says, I've got to find the one, but we look for the wrong one. Because God's word tells us the one has to be Christ. You've got to love him first. He has to be the one who controls and has every part of your life. A lot of people say, oh, I love God, but it's just a verbal confession. Jesus even addressed that when he came to this earth. He looked at the religious people of that day and he said to them, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is gone. It's not even, they're checked out. They're not even there. Oh, it's just a lip service. And I wonder sometimes if us saying, oh God, you're number one of my life is just a lip service. That we just say that because we know maybe that's what it needs to be, but we're not prepared to give that the rightful place it needs to have in every one of our lives. You see, we've got to get it right from the beginning because if we don't get it right from the start, anything else that follows after is going to be wrong. 1 John 4, verse 10 and 11, New Living Translation. This is real love. Are you ready? Come on, you need to be taking notes. Here's, Here's real love. Not that we loved God, but notice what real love is. That He loved us. Say with me first. Because that's the implication there. We didn't love him. He loved us first. By what? By sending his son to die upon a cross to be our sacrifice, to take away our sins. And dear friends, since God loved us first that much, what does now he say? The second commandment is we must now love other people. We can love because he first loved us. That's our vision statement here. Love happens. Why? Because when we find love in God, love happens. Because you've got to know love to be able to give love. God is love. And because without experiencing the purity of a love relationship with God, we cannot share that kind of love with another person. Oh, there may be moments where we can be madly and passionately in love, but we're not talking about a relationship for a moment. We're talking about a marriage for a lifetime. We want to see sustained building, growing, being more established, falling in greater love with each other. But what does the Bible say? That we've got to love someone else, secondly, as we love ourselves. That part can be that can really pose a major problem for many people. Because let's just be honest, we're in church. We don't love ourselves. We've been so beat down, we've been so devalued in our lives that we don't love ourselves. So therefore, we cannot love other people because we cannot receive love for ourselves. And if we cannot receive it, we cannot give it. And that's why we need the relationship with God, because not only does He love us, His love brings healing. Healing to us. Value to us. That we can look at ourselves. Because I'm telling you right now, come on, we're all adults in the house. Is that okay? If someone's going to come up and say, if you really love me, you would give yourself. Hey, that's true. Because He did give Himself for you. Come on. The world wants to take from you. Come on, you would 
give yourself sexually to me. And they try to take from you. But God didn't take from you. He came to give to you by giving himself for you. Do you see the difference that God wants to give into your life? But the love of this world, which is really lust, wants to take from you and steal something away from you that you can never have back. And when we don't love ourselves, it's so easy to say, well, if I do that, then they're going to love me. Listen, true love says I love you right where you are at. And that's only the love that you can receive from God. You see, the myth is I've got to find my one. The truth is this. He needs to be the one because the world says it's in someone else. But the truth of God's word is says no other person should have any higher place in your life than number two. Because God already needs to be your number one. Anything or anyone that pushes him out of his first place will threaten your success and your fulfillment in life. So while you're looking and waiting for your number two, you build your relationship with God. Well, pastor, I'm tired of waiting. What should I do? Love God more. Because loving God more will teach you to be able to love other people more. You've got to work on your relationship with Him. But don't just stop with your relationship with Him. Work on you too. So many people are waiting for a number two to fix them. No, you're a screwed up mess. What you're going to attract is who you are. Come on now. Come on, you've got to get right. So many of us, listen to this. So many of us expect God to give us something that we're not worthy of. And the fact of we don't deserve because look at where we're at. We've got to work on our lives. What do I do while I'm waiting for my number two? I've got to start creating proper habits. Come on, I've got to control my spending. I've got to get my finances in order. I've got to work on my relational skills and the friendships that I keep. I've got to work on my appearance. Some may need to discover soap. Deodorant, cologne. You work on those things because why? We want to find the person who what? And you can say, well, if they really love me, they're going to love me for who I am. But is that who God made you to be? Because if you're not fulfilling your God-given destiny, because I believe that God wants us to take care of ourselves and handle our finances and have a job, come on, be in a career, further ourselves. I think it's important to take the steps in the right direction. As we're loving God, we're waiting for our number two, but we're working on who? Us, us. Is that cool? Are you with me? Myth number two, myth number two, here it is. Myth number two is this. There's only one special person out there for me. There's only one special person out there for me. Our romantic hearts want to believe that God has created that one special person for us, which sounds good until you consider the pressures and the logistics that requires, especially when we have a free will. Let me say that again. Uh, Understanding that and trying to believe that sounds really good until we consider the pressures and the logistics that requires because we have a free will. So God can maybe say, well, here's where I want you to go, but we can choose to go somewhere else. Does everyone get that? So with that, we can say, well, God's going to set it all up. But what if we choose to go the wrong way? Now, I believe that God has the number two that will be everything that you need. 
and that will give to you in your life and you will be complete and fulfilled and loving life. But listen, too many people are under such a pressure. What if I miss that one person? What if I went out the mall by the wrong door that they were coming in that day and our eyes were supposed to hit and it was supposed to be love at first sight? What, 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 what? Think about that for a moment. If everyone has just one person for their life, it only takes one person to marry the wrong person and then it's screwed up for everyone else. Do you, do you get the picture of that? So we've got to be careful with that because... If I marry the wrong person and Kelly's supposed to be my wife and I'm married to Kara now, guess what? What if Michael's supposed to be married to Kara? Or let's get it right. What if Stephen's supposed to be married to Kara? And then what happens? All of a sudden, Stephen can't be with Kara because Philip's with Kara instead of being with Kelly. Can you see that if we say there's just that one person out there, we're probably going to be disillusioned in a great way because it only takes one person to mess up the whole equation. And it's so easy, even with that, that we can, we, we can be so bound by fear because of that. That's that one person. Well, what if I'm not in church that day? And that's one thing I'll say, don't miss church just in case you miss that person. That's a good thing. But, but, you, know, but you know, what if it's so much pressure on us? But you know what else it can also do? It can create this idea within us that I can just live how I want, do what I want, because God has that one, and I'm just going to pray, and no matter what state and the place I'm in, He's going to bring me that one, and everything's going to be okay. Can you see the pressure and the disillusional response that people can have to that? That I'm just going to live how I want, and God's going to bring me my custom-made one. Come on, that sports edition with a spoiler and a sunroof. Come on, God's going to bring me that, and I'm not going to have any involvement in that. Here's what I believe, and I'm sorry if I burst your romantic bubble today. Here's what I believe. I believe that there may be several potential spouses with whom you could truly go the distance and have God's best. But here's what I also believe. God wants you to do your part. Now, I'm not saying you date around, and if you, de- if you don't like your first one you're married to, that's not the right one, so I'm going to find someone else. What I'm going to say is you do your homework. You do your part. But realize that God has that perfect fit for you. But it may not just be with one person. It may be some other people involved in that. But you've got to find those people or that person. And let me give you some helps. Let me give you some helps in trying to find that life partner. You ready? Help number one. Never date an unbeliever. Never date an unbeliever. Never date someone who's a non Believer, but you see, before you ever think about the kind of close relationship that you need, you first need to define what type of person you don't want to pursue in your life. And if you are a follower of Christ, you love Jesus under no circumstances should you date a non-believer. No matter how cute they are or handsome they are, no matter how perfect, you don't know how many times I've had people come in my office and say, oh, but pastor, they check every box. Well, no, they don't. Because if they're not saved, that should be one of the most important boxes. You see, in a relationship, you can have negotiable and non-negotiable things. Negotiable can be the height. It can be the hair color. It can be the eye color. It can be, you see what I'm saying? That's negotiable. You, you may have, you know, I want someone who's blonde and six foot and I want this. And I want but, you know, if, the, if there's a dark-headed person, you're probably not going to excuse them if they, if they are what God wants for your life. So there are negotiable things, but then there's non-negotiable. 
And I believe top of the lift and non-negotiable needs to be the fact that they've got to love God. If they don't love God, then they are off. It doesn't matter how much they check every other box. That's, that's a dark. I think another one is this. If they don't have a job or they don't have responsibilities and they're not carrying their weight, and that, I think that's a non-negotiable thing because, hey, if you are worthy of dating someone of value like me, you better start valuing yourself and getting your life in order. Come on now. And you don't date them to get them into that state. You let them get to that state, prove themselves before you even consider them as an option for your life. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding today. 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. cannot be more plain and simple than that. Oh, but I disagree with that. Well, hey, you're disagreeing with God's Word because God's Word clearly says that. Don't be yoked together with an unbeliever. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion or common union has light with darkness? Remember in the garden at the beginning of time, Satan came to deceive Eve, didn't he? What did he use? He looked to use a good-looking apple, but what? came before the apple? The serpent, thank you. Now, a lot of us think the devil was the serpent and the serpent was the devil. The devil wasn't the serpent and the serpent wasn't the devil. The serpent was what the devil used. And there's a reason why he used the serpent because Genesis 3.1 tells us this, that the serpent was more cunning, shrewd, crafty and subtle than any other beast of the field which the Lord God had made. From the beginning, what do we see? A cunning, subtle approach from Satan. And that's how he comes in relationships, subtly, cunningly, deceitfully, trying to label something and present it as it is. And his tactics are still working today, so he hasn't changed them. He'll bring someone as the appearance of an angel of light. But pastor, you just don't know them. It doesn't matter if I know them or not. Do they know God? Is the question that you need to ask. And so many of us then want to click into what we call hormonal evangelism. You know what hormonal evangelism is? I'll date them and then they'll have to come to church. And then they'll have to be a part of church. And then I'm going to force them to come to church. Again, they need to know God first for themselves, not just for you. Come on, that was pathetic. Thank you for the one person who clapped in the house. The most important criteria for any marriage or any marital candidate is this. Are they committed to God? Not just talking a good talk, but walking a good walk. Because I know a lot of people who act like they're saved and they're, they're, they certainly ain't saved. Luke eleven seventeen: a house divided against itself will fall. Division is two visions. I remember when Kelly and I when we first um, started to talk, Kelly had just lost her husband. He was killed in a car accident. She was widowed with three children. I had gone through a divorce. I had been divorced for just over two years, two and a half years, and was just at that place where I, I just was longing in my heart, just wanted someone. But, you know, I prayed one day, God, you've got to give me the right person because I'm not just going to go out there. You're going to bring that right person to me. That's what I prayed. And little did I know that Kelly was praying the same prayer almost at the same time, having lost her husband. 
And I remember that um, Kelly had started coming to the church after her husband had passed away not long after that because some of his family were coming to this church and, and she didn't want to be at their old church on her own so she came with their family. And I remember during the mingle time just going over and giving her a hug and, 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 and I would pick up the phone occasionally and just like I do with many people or text and just say, hey, how's it going? And how's life? What's going on? And I would tell you, every time I would talk to Kelly, she had such faith, such faith, just, just an unwavering faith, never questioned God, losing a husband, widow, never questioned God. And I remember here I am calling her up to encourage her and every time, or texting her, and every time after I had talked or communicated with her, I left feeling encouraged because of her faith and the strength that she had in all of that. And you know, I fell in love with Kelly before I even really knew what she looked like. Because I fell in love with that faith and that love she had from God. I want to tell you right now, that was sexy to me. Come on now. Come on now. Some of you need to get the right sexy in your relationship. Come on. You need to find someone that loves God more than you. My grandfather always said this, find someone who loves God more than you and you will never go wrong in life. Never go wrong in life. Picture this, two builders, two builders cannot build a house from one end and another end with two separate blueprints and expect to make it in the middle and match up. It doesn't happen. So if we're coming from different directions... We can never have that complete unity that we want. Now, Christians do ask, and many people have asked me this. Well, pastor, do I have to really marry a Christian? My answer is no. (laughs) You don't have to. You don't have to marry a Christian unless you want to be happy, fulfilled, and blessed by God. And if that doesn't matter to you, go out and marry whoever you want. Go and marry whoever you want. And can I just say this, because I, I, I'm mindful of the different places people are. Some people got married when they were both in the world. And since that, you've found Christ, and your spouse has not found Christ. So, so I just want to address that, because listen to me, that doesn't mean that your home or your marriage cannot be blessed. Doesn't mean that now you're destined to fail because you're unequally yoked. I'm I'm not preaching that and I'm not teaching that. That's a whole different subject there. But what it does mean is this. Are you ready? You need to be in prayer. You need to be believing for God to unify your hearts in Him, to unify your home. And you know how you win your spouse? You win your spouse by the godly example and the life that you will live. I had a lady come to me every service and say, pray for my husband to be saved. One day, I had a great conversation with her husband. It kind of shocked me because you know what he said? Pastor, the reason I'm not saved is because of my wife. Here we are praying. She is praying every service for him to be saved. He says, I ain't coming to church because of her. What am I saying? You live a godly life and you lead them to the house of God and God will bless you in that in-between time. And it may be tomorrow. It may be six months from now. It may be a year from now. But when you speak to them, you treat them as they are God. And how you would speak to Jesus if he was here in person, you handle them and you 
respect them and you honor them in that way. And I'm telling you, that will break every barrier and every stronghold that you could ever imagine. Ever imagine. Ever imagine. Goodness me. We're only on help number two. I'm on page seven of 25 from an only plan. plan. (laughs) Everyone with me? Everyone with me? Number two, watch for friendships that should just be that. Watch for friendships should just be that. Sometimes best friends get married, but sometimes best friends should just be best friends. Come on, sometimes we just think, well, they're my best friends, so I just got to get married. I remember growing up, I had a lot of girls that were friends. We can say girlfriends, but I wasn't even dating a lot of them. I had a lot of girls that were friends that would have made great marriage material, loved God, great people, handled themselves well, had great jobs, had great... But there was just some of them that no matter how hard I tried, there was just not that chemistry. And you could force it because they're good girls. We've got everything in common. And you've got to be very careful because proper chemistry is just as important as, or more important than sharing common interests. A lot of people have common interests and think we're a marriage made in heaven. I remember Bigo, a youth evangelist, used to say this. You better make sure that you're dating and hanging out with the right person because if you're not, you're messing around with someone else's husband or wife. Think about that. Think about that. So watch for the friendship thing. Number three, don't get in a rush or sell out. Exploring different friendships can be exhilarating, educational, and a total blast. But don't get in a rush and sell out. A lot of people settle. And a lot of people settle. Why? Because remember, love God first and then love your neighbor as yourself. A lot of people settle because they don't let the healing take place in themselves. So they convince themselves they have no value. So what they find is, wow, I'm not worthy of even that. Don't settle in a relationship for what you think you deserve. Settle for what God has the best for you. Amen. Kelly and I said this at Crossroads two Friday nights ago. Some find it easier to be unhappy than to be alone. Next slide, please, Luke. Some find it easier to be unhappy than to be alone. They would rather be in a relationship and be unhappy than be alone. And what do you know about alone time? That's for a season, but unhappiness can be for a lifetime. So don't sell yourself out by getting in a rush and where everyone else around me has found someone. Well, listen, rejoice with them on the way to your miracle, remember? Come on, don't just say, well, I've got to find someone now. And listen to me, don't excuse today what you will have to live with for the rest of your life. Because it may be cute now. Kelly had a friend at school who was 16. When she was 16, she was dating, I think, a 19-year-old guy. And he played in the bars. And he was a country western sinner. And that was really cool to her because she was 16. And he would sneak her in the bars. And she would go to the bars at night and watch her husband. And he was this popular guy. And, oh, that was cute. That was cool. Wow, that is so exciting. But you know what? At 38 years of age, they got divorced. Why? Because he's still in clubs just singing. And what was really exciting and fun and great for her at 16 wasn't so much cute and fun when she's 38 and it's still going on so let me tell you this look at this look at this statement take notes if that person never changes are they still the best number two 
Because a lot of us say, well, if we go to counseling and then they change, then they're going to be the perfect person. You've got to accept that person with the thought of if they never change. Listen to me. Can I live with them and be happy with them for the rest of my life? You see, the myth is, oh, they'll want to change because of me. But what happens when you hurt them and you disappoint them? Are they still going to want to change for you then? Come on, we've got to be real. You've got to see this. You've got to see all the faults and the failures and the blemishes and say, can I live with that? Oh, God can heal and God can restore. But you've got to live with the reality of the situation too and look where it's at. Help number four, you've got to listen to others. If everyone that you value their opinion of in life is concerned and worried, listen. Watch for red flags. Come on, look at their families. Look at the relationships they have. How do they treat their mother if they're a guy? How do they treat their mother? Because probably the way they treat their mother is the way they're going to treat you. If they've got no relationship with those around them that are close, then run for your life. Because they're setting up a smoke screen and you're going to choke to death in it. Amen. What you may see as a fixer-upper, ask someone around you because they see a piece of junk. Amen. Number five, here's a help. Wait on God. Wait on God. And listen, while you're waiting on God, work on yourself. Make yourself a hard jury, one that is not easily convinced, one that requires concrete evidence before reaching a verdict. And while you're waiting on God, it's important, be in church. Be in church. Best place to find a wife and a husband is in church. And if they're not here, start praying that God will bring more people into the house. You'll have more selection. Amen. (laughs) If that will motivate our prayers to see our church grow, whatever it takes, praise God. God, I need a man, so bring us 50 in here. Praise God. If everyone prayed that prayer and I need a woman 50, we wouldn't have enough room. So start praying. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, start praying, start praying. There are many more helps. There are many more helps that we can have. But for the sake of time, I think those will really help you. And we need help because even being with the right number two, there can be challenges and there can be problems. And there'll be issues that we face in our lives. Listen, I know time has got away. Will, will you give me five, seven more minutes? Is that cool? Can you, is anyone going to make? I want to give you myth number three. Are you ready? Myth number three is this. Our marriage is going to be perfect. When we get married, it's going to be perfect. We're never going to say a harsh word. We're going to just love each other all the time. It's just going to be bliss. It's going to be buttercups and daisies and roses. Our marriage is perfect. Look at your neighbor and say, that is a myth. We're going to burst that bubble. We're going to burst that bubble. 1 Corinthians 7, 28, New Living Translation says, but if you get married, it's not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it's not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles. You'll have troubles. And I'm trying to spare you, Paul says, these problems. One translation says, those who marry will have troubles in this life. And we've got to be careful because when we convince ourselves that marriage is going to be perfect and there'll be no more problems, when troubles come, Come on, we then begin to convince ourselves that we must have married the wrong person. Because marriage is not what, what we're experiencing is not what we expected and what we read about on Facebook that we see in the movies or that we read about in magazines. So what do we do with those troubles? Has anyone ever heard of the 80-20 ratio? 
80-20 goes something like this, that, that 80% of the people usually, or 20% of the people usually do 80% of the work. So there's a ratio that in every area of life it can be true. And I believe it's the same in marriage. We can have an 80-20 ratio, meaning what? Not everything is perfect. But here's the problem. If our troubles are the 20, or if the troubles are the 5, if the troubles are the 10, wherever you're at in the ratio there, when we focus on the troubles, we become blinded to the good. So we can allow the 80, come on, stay with me. We can be, allow the 80 to be destroyed by the 20 that we want to change. And if we don't watch, that 20 can become the 80% of our marriage and it can become the driving factor. So then we're not happy because he has a problem or she has a problem I don't like. And instead of seeing all the other good things, all we see is the one or two bad things. You see, the myth is this, 99% of your marriage, because we're not going to give everyone perfect. 99% of your marriage is going to be perfect. So when we get 80, we're 19% discrepancy which will disillusion us and cause us questions and cause bitterness. I shouldn't have married this person. I messed up. I missed God. Listen to me. Write this down. Stop allowing your troubles to poison the good. Stop allowing the disagreement to stop the blessings. And what does it show us? If nothing else, that we need a third opinion in our marriage. And you know who the third opinion is? God. We need God. We need God in our homes. We need that third option. Because when we're struggling with the troubles, we need to include the trouble solver, the one who is able to give us wisdom. The Bible says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God, who will give liberally to you and without reproach. In other words, what that means is God saying, please ask and I will please give it to you because you need it. So we need wisdom in our marriages. We need wisdom to see that just because I'm right, they can also be right too. Because we have convinced ourselves that if one is right, then the other has to be We can both be right. We're just coming at it from a different direction. And we're not wrong. We're just, and that's why we need to have godly wisdom in how we handle situations so we don't blow up and allow the small part to discredit. Jesus said this about the yeast of the Pharisees. He said it's just a little that destroys the whole lot in reference to bread and making bread. A little yeast causes a whole lot of reaction. And if we don't watch, the little can have a major impact on the bad. Now, I'm not saying we settle because that's not God's best. But what we've got to do is we've got to accept where we're at. And with his wisdom, we've got to move forward into greater blessings that we have. Instead of getting on the phone to your girlfriends and saying he's a jerk and I've married the wrong person and hanging out with single people that are going to lead you in the wrong way. Start working on the troubles and focus still on the blessings that you have. Life will never be perfect, so prepare for the storms. Listen to this. Sailors prepare for the storms prior to going out to sea. They don't get in a storm and say, oops, we forgot the life vests or the lifeboats. 
They have drills. If you've ever been on a cruise ship in one of the ports of calls, they're going to have a drill and all the crew are going to be out on deck and they're going to have lifeboats going around the ship. Why? Because they are preparing just in case they need it. And you better be glad they're preparing because you're the one that's going to need it. So watch in your life because when the storms hit, they don't freak out and jump ship. They're prepared. There's going to be troubles. There's going to be storms. That doesn't doesn't mean you made a mistake. Listen to me. Your troubles can be a gift from God. They can be a gift from God. Because it can make you come together and say, okay, we're going to figure this out. But you know the greatest gift your troubles can be? That they can remind us that we cannot do it on our own, but we need God at the center of our relationship. What troubles are you talking about, Pastor Philip? There can be clashes in preferences. There can be personality differences. There can be sufferings. But we can work through those. Look what Ruth Graham said from Billy Graham's wife, said these words. She said, if we agreed on everything, one of us would be unnecessary. If we agreed on everything, one of us would be unnecessary. The opposites that are attracted, if we don't watch, can be opposites that attack. The very things that we valued as strengths can somehow become weaknesses. Why? Because we're living a myth instead of in the dream. The dream that God has for us. And I'm going to give you one other thing and then I'm going to close. Research said this, that if you died and came back, and you met your spouse in a social setting of about a hundred people, you would chase after each other again. Why is that? Because the person you first loved is still there. You got to see the 80 instead of just the 20. And the reason why I don't see that person right now is because of my lack of wisdom. Wisdom that only comes from God. Because they probably haven't really even changed. It's just my lack of wisdom in the situation. I know today I've given you lots of information. But I'm telling you, whether you're single, not even dating yet, married, divorced, hurt, wherever you may be today, We're giving you principles of truth that will help you and steer you in the right direction. I'm standing up here and making a statement. 50% of marriages don't have to end in divorce like statistics say they do. Listen, 50% does not have to end in divorce. Because if we would just change our behavior, then we don't have to run the risk of divorce. It's when we allow our behaviors to be wrong and we go the wrong way. So what do we do? We're going to increase our odds by doing it God's way and loving God's way. Come on, don't believe the myth. Live in the dream. God first. God first. God first. Would you stand to your feet all over this place? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. 
If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.